0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the D&D Brief. We are the RP Geeks, and this is our science chat show. Um, So we play Dungeons & Dragons, and we talk about science. Um, This week, it is mostly the talking about science, but it is all inspired uh, by things that have happened in our Dungeons & Dragons adventures. Um, we have a guest cat this week. Oh um, it's it's a chat show. We're going to be interviewing the cat, asking them their opinions on various scientific topics. Yeah. Um,
1: it's not not a fan of that.
0: So what we would uh, usually do at this point is uh, summarize the bits of the adventures that led to us picking whatever science topics we've picked. Um, and Ali, you're you're going first, Ali.
1: Is that right? I Yeah. So I well, think. What do you sound so unsure? <laughs> I just, yeah. It's a sort of, it's a general feeling. Um, no, so my, I think what happened last time was that, because you guys ended up in a cave, right? Through no, no. fault of mine, I might add. <laughs> and there were cave centipedes, right? And then Simon, you found yes! a picture of them and they That's... were just... Oh,
0: and you kept leaning into your mic and going. <laughs> <laughs> was it? was it? That was the sound.
1: So yeah, you and then and they kind out. Of, they were chasing. You. They sort of came wow. for you, and then more came and more and more. And <sighs> that was that was what happened. But you guys escaped. And then from that, because they kept going. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! Oh, <laughs>
0: it's like provoking a reaction right now yeah
1: the question was what why why didn't certain noises make you pee your pants american (laughs) expression that isn't it like i would say why do they why you piss yourself right
0: send chills up your (laughs) spine I mean, okay.
1: okay. What what should we go with? Pee pee your pants. It seems so anodyne. Let's just say pee it but like in a normal voice. Pee pants. Like you make you pee pants.
0: <laughs> I would say piss yourself. Yeah, you're right, Ali. That is, uh, but because it's know, a we're very poli- it's, very polite people, so we wouldn't. It's say a piss. really
1: emotional thing, especially if you're like a thirty year old dude and you'd like and you piss yourself. It's a real like. Oh. When would you say the last time you pissed your pants? Was? <laughs> when was the last time I pissed
2: my pants?
0: Why Why would we need <laughs> to know that?
2: <laughs> Like I'm wondering if it's would is, love to know that double digit age. <laughs>
0: it's not relevant because no one in the episode
2: peed this... at all. You never pee in D and D. There's no peeing in D and D. This is no. a fantasy world. It's barely what happens any to eat all the, it. the urea because you eat.
1: Like yeah, not
2: much. to be fair, it just there's kills a lack you, of eating. Right?
1: It, urea is really toxic. It just builds up in your bloodstream, and then they all die. That's why all campaigns end. Oh. Yeah, all campaigns have to come to an end because their protagonists <laughs> are dying from urea poisoning. <laughs> that's exact, That's a little DM secret for you there. But, you
0: know. <laughs> D&D facts. Yeah,
1: dear, hashtag d facts. I thought,
0: Ali, that your topic was going to be generally things that provoke a sort of physiological response, not just peeing specific. Oh,
1: we'll get there. That... We'll get there. <laughs> oh, okay, no, I, okay. I was given a specific just brief. And, okay, and so,
0: sorry. Yeah, my mistake. Pee pants
1: is that brief. So, right. And it is really interesting because the first thing, yeah, first thing you must understand is that the whole peeing or weeing, like command comes from the Pontine. Yeah, it, it's this, the Pontine Micturation Centre.
0: That's not a real thing. It's a real it sounds thing. sounds like a hill in Rome. It sounds like a Borg Maturation Chamber. <laughs>
1: the <hill> in, <laughs> It probably is the hill in Rome. Like it's there. Or like the, the Pontiff's Micturation Centre is a different. So, and that's the pons. is like a, pons means bridge in Latin, right? And it's like a sort of, bridge between your medulla which is the base of your brain and the sort of more slightly more interesting stuff which happens above it I think is why it's called that or either that's a bit of your brain yeah it's a bit of your brain right it's it's very near the sort of brainstem bit so it's not very complicated and it does simple stuff like telling you whether you should piss or not and so what I like it yeah yeah thought that through and so what happens happens (laughs) is it's connected by it's connected by neurons to the, the bladder, the old bladder sac, and that's got mechanoreceptors in it, right, which sense stretch. So as the bladder fills up, it literally is like you are stretching a bag and these receptors sort of, they signal it when it gets too stretched.
2: Where else do you have mechanoreceptors? I've never oh, heard you of that. You've them
1: everywhere, anywhere that you can sense physical change. So pretty much everywhere so, so is that what informs
2: Oh, Is it proprioception Where you know where your body Bits of your body are
1: Yeah yeah So there's specific ones in the muscles um, Which Is it the muscles and the tendons I can't remember But it's certainly They're certainly in the muscles Which are called spindle receptors I think And what they basically do is They're uh, They sense stretch So if you overstretch You know that feeling when you're like Oh god that's, that's, that's too far They sense that But also the stretching of your muscles Tells you roughly where your body is In comparison to you know, like right. the rest of itself, which is what proprioception is. If you, oh, this muscle is stretched, my arm must be out. Cause I what I did an engineering
2: internship when I was an undergrad at a company that made encoders, which are the mechanical electronic versions of that. Like they're the things that actually allow you to know how far along a scale like a piece is or how far it's rotated or something. And I don't know why, but I never ever considered the fact that there is probably a biological you know, version of that. I just in my head was like, oh, yeah, of course the body knows where it is, but like any sensation, any signal in your brain has to be communicated somehow, I guess. So we have, yeah, we have I mean, the crazy encodes. thing is,
1: it's like, so all, like all neurons, because they're, you know, they're, they're just fragile little cell babies. Like if you stretch them physically or poke them, you will set them off. So any mm-hmm. cell, any neuron is basically a mechanoreceptor, but there are specific receptors like neurons which exist to be stretchified, and they have special um channels in them as well, which allows them to do that. I think the brain is quite Alex. easily
0: confused by your the position of your bodies, though, because there are various experiments which you can trick your bay trick your brain. Um, for example, like putting a, a fake hand. Have you seen that one where they, they you sit at a desk um and they put a rubber hand on the table oh, in front of yeah. the participant, and there's like a wall, um, and you, after a while, you you. There's more to it than this, but you 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 basically your brain is sort of tricked into thinking that rubber hand is is your hand, um, and then they whack it with a hammer and yeah, um, or I'm thinking like amputees, um, having sort of yeah. phantom
1: sensations. I think that's what's so cool about the brain, right? Is that because it's got it's got so many different ways of doing things, and it's got so much um, the whatever that word is when. Uh, you can um things can go wrong and the system will still function redundancy redundancy. yes it's got so much redundancy right there's so many different ways of answering this uh, solving problems that sometimes the ways conflict with each other which is what happens in those sort of illusions so like it's your your higher brain going you can see it it's got to be there (laughs) and like just being like shut up shut up shut up shut up to your proprioception
2: i've heard of uh, i read today the most unusual example of a phantom limb thing by the way because i think it, when we say phantom limb we mean like somebody who's had the leg amputated or their hand amputated and they still feel sensations in what used to be the body part and i read on twitter today there was a woman who'd lost a breast to cancer and she'd had it removed um and in the years subsequently when she felt a cold breeze specifically she'd feel her phantom nipple oh, harden no. Which is just like the weird, because it's just like, it's there, I don't know, a couple of inches above your chest. But like, there's just a tingling, but it's a point. It's a specific point that you, you know,
1: you're aware of. I just never heard of that before. Cutier. But you've got to, I mean, because, you know, the nerve fiber will still be there, right? It's like, so you've got to assume that, what? And <laughs> no, also, I-
2: like you This is Emily in chat, Solar Emily saying the phantom of the areola (laughs) (laughs) 10 out of 10, I love that (laughs) Sorry, I didn't read lot of.
1: Yeah, this is a dangerous path to walk We walk a dangerous, dangerous path Anyway, peeing yourself Yes, anyway, peeing yourself, pissing your pants Um right anyway so so the pontine micturition center right that's like the button yeah. that's the brain button which is like boom go yeah. void bladder get rid of all that yeah. urine or whatever's in slams there slams the big red button on the wall of the brain. <laughs> exactly it, it's like that meme with the dude looking at the two buttons both of which say piss yourself that's essentially all the <laughs> pontine micturition does um
0: missing scene from inside out is the bit they don't show with all the cute little emotions yeah. and then there's just like the, the bladder yeah. guy <laughs> is it me is it time got do i go
1: look at the button oh it's such a good film oh, no. um, anyway, anyway when he gets surprised or like shocked he's like ah and then it backs into the button <laughs> yeah it's like a really like the room is really small and the buttons are really big like it's so he's <laughs> As
2: it, as it gets, as the person gets older, like the room gets bigger and you get more control.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. And then as you get really old, you lose some of that control. You end not having to lean on the button when you're tired. <laughs> anyway, right. So like, what does um, the character design of this person look like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's what i want to know. I sort Here of imagine
0: can you explain it from now on um, imagining button, button, button guy is there
1: um, i sort of imagine him a bit like a like yeah, a sort more. of bladder like he's sort of a bit he's like a, he's a bit like, like a balloon full filled, filled with water oh. you know sort of in, inflated <laughs> and a bit sort yeah. of like wobbly yeah, I don't know. You do yours. No. That's mine.
0: And he lives in a pontoon metaphilification. <laughs> he frame. does. He
1: lives in the pontoon micturition center, where yes, There live. are no sharp edges. That's the other thing. Everything <laughs> in this is perfectly rounded. Yeah, exactly. And lots of things that look like the button but aren't the button as well. Like just it's sort of like decoration, which is sort of similar. Uh, One of them is the it, light switch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of time, it's quite dark in there. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> neuroscience, Ali, bring it back. Bring it back to the neuroscience, please. Yeah, I was looking
1: for a segue, and it wasn't forthcoming. So let's just dive straight back in. Um, right. So you've got the pod yeah. to center, which is the button. But the thing is, that's connected to other parts of the brain, right? So um... why? Oh. Oh well, yeah. Well, why? Why exactly? So it's connected to, amongst other things, the hypothalamus. Which is, uh, it's part of the limbic system. That doesn't explain what it does. Basically, the hypothalamus is generally in charge of sort of controlling your body temperature, like the release of certain hormones, just sort of general housekeeping shit that goes on in your body um, that's important, but sort of fairly simple. Anyway, so the hypothalamus has connections to the Pontine Micturition Center and. According to this article that I read, I've not studied this in detail, right? It wasn't what I did my PhD on. However, I'm going to go with it because it, I trust it. What happens is if you as basically as you, um, emotional information gets fed indirectly into the hypothalamus, right? So your emotional state stimulates the hypothalamus um, to do stuff like release adrenaline or whatever. And the, the stimulation of the hypothalamus can trigger stimulation of the pontine micturition center, right so if you get a massive emotional shock or even just like an increase in emotional like tone then (laughs) um you will increase the activity in the hypothalamus and then that will lead to an increase in activity in the the pontine micturition center which will lead you to piss yourself because it's it's getting uh contradicting information saying void now void void which is it's
0: presumably part of the fight or flight response if something happens you need to be as light as possible in order to run this way well,
2: the... it's not just humans right like animals oh, do this
0: animals Oh, freaking sheep it. you look at you go into a field sorry it's they're, they're, she- they're the sheep look at you and they just you, you go up to them and they just pee and then they leave you
2: but, like, I how do you know that? Feet. You know, animals under duress, generally, <laughs> like I think, sheep. there must be an evolutionary response to, yeah. I am slightly more likely to get away yeah. if
1: I am slightly lighter. Yeah. I don't know if you can prove that, or if there's, like, any Beep. real...
0: I mean... They totally do. They're all peered all over the place.
1: You know, I. you thought maybe, maybe it could be pheromonal, or you're like, I'm going to cover my tracks by making everything stink. Or, you know, but... <laughs> That's ridiculous, Ali. I disappear so in, don't in a cloud of about about urine. Disappear in a cloud of urine.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. You're to be
0: off putting as well. So, well yeah, skull, some right? just
2: poop on <laughs> that, you as well. The, the evolutionary pressure is hoping that predators just go, Ugh. Uh,
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. There's loads I of to
2: eat this guy, but oh, he's a bit damp. No. <laughs>
0: <What>? <laughs> like, like slow worms will, will poop on you if you're not careful. There's loads of things that will just poop on you. Got to watch out,
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if the world, yeah. I don't know if the poop thing is the same, but
0: I think that's quite gro- like gross out smelling. Like, oh, this doesn't smell like food. I, think that's I mean, a, presumably, a that also has
2: you know, mechanoreceptors, so you know, like, what your sphincter is doing or you know, what the all the your sphincters. internals of your intestines are doing, right? Yeah, loads of sphincters. I see. <laughs>
0: So we get an emotional reaction and we're like, oh, maybe I'll pee now. That'd be nice.
1: And apparently that's why, you know, so just before you're about to perform, lots of people are about to run a marathon. Lots of people find that they need to go for a wee. Usefully. That's very true. I definitely do that. Yeah. Always like, oh, the pre-show wee. But then Um,
2: interestingly... Whilst you're doing something like a, a half marathon yeah. or a marathon or a show, you are not aware of it. At all. you are not need weeing, are you? Like that's the whole not happening.
0: high adrenaline time, because you don't want to. So you don't want to wee while you're running away from the lion just before.
1: So hmm. that is connected to the frontal cortex, which also has connections to the pontine micturition center, and that's an inhibitory connection, right? So you can think yourself, "No, you shut now, bladder," and that's like. So that's the sort of the two, the yin yang of
0: in, in the analogy uh, with the with, with button button guy, what what who's oh, the I frontal imagine
1: frontal cortex. cortex bloke is like quite uptight and has glasses, is probably a bit bald, right? And is, is probably an upper middle management, but like yeah. and you know, it's like, oh, you know, I'm a bit stressed. Can you just please? But through <laughs> the door, right? No one comes into the room. They're just like Chuck it, Brian like that sort of <laughs>
0: Okay, okay. Good.
2: I'm imagining. I understand, I understand it, I'm yeah. imagining that Bladder Man, as we're now apparently calling this person, is just like he sounds like he's constantly eating a bit too much, and he's just like, oh, oh, please, please, I need to. We need to get rid of this. and this originally well, came well, from well, Twitch well, chat. And there is a follow-up question here from Emily in chat asking, what causes the pee dance? So this is when you get the tippy-tappies Ooh. and like, you Awesome! Oh,
1: so- <laughs> you know, a, a, a great
2: question. That's such a good question. <laughs> in, in the room with, with P-Man, like bladder man, presumably there are other buttons that also control muscles
1: and whilst it's just, just like flailing around. If you hit the other muscles. What about if um, it's, it's actually because... When you do the P dance, you know, like when you scratch an itch, what you're doing is you're sort of activating all the stuff around it. The P dance is like activating the whole, all your body. You're like running
0: interference on the inputs and just like throwing a lot of load of other inputs on it to detract from the signal. Bury it in noise.
1: Which is why it has that sort of duality, doesn't it? Because you're like, must do the P dance, P dance helps. But then you're also like, ah, every time I land on my feet, I make the P dance a bit worse because it... That's, that's an interesting hypothesis
2: actually, I don't
1: know. <laughs> Any p scientists in chat? <laughs> if, if they were going to be anywhere. Anyway, so- um... <laughs> Ah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but so there's an actual condition called shy bladder, which is where your um, connections from your frontal cortex, your inhibitory connections are too strong and they stop you from weeing, in, except in the most wee friendly of situations.
0: It's like the psychology is overcoming the physiological need.
1: So, this is the situation of like you're
2: at a urinal, there's a guy next to you, and you find yourself like you're overthinking it. I am this person's going to watch me pee. Like, (laughs) I must not pee. I can't, I can't. I've got performance anxiety. This person's here to judge my peeing. He's probably from the bureau. I should, I should pee (laughs) really well. Oh, no. (laughs) Why did I go for the trough? This
1: guy's like yeah. <laughs> th- like a couple of inches too close. <laughs> I could have walled off at a urinal. I could have, but not now. I wonder if it's like, I wonder if it affects men like proportionally more than women because...
0: This sounds terrible. Just, I'm just, oh my God. That's what, oh my God. The <laughs> <laughs> are I great, holding it in the way? Oh God. That, that sounds very stressful.
2: <laughs> the, the stress of... If you come to a, a, like urinals are great. You know where you're at with the urinal. Oh, okay. But like, <laughs> yeah. if you've got the pee trough, but there is. With the so, urinal, I'm, you still I have know. to decide. Am I which too close one. to that person? Do I need to get like, more? Like, what if you, there's. What you if don't there's... decide, you leave one urinal gap. That's what if it's the like the
0: tube and you're trying to leave a one on one gap and then you realize that that person there has left a two gap and messed it up and then you're oh, going to have to go on one of those two? Which one do you pick?
1: It's incredibly difficult. <laughs> and you go hurtful. in the cubicle. <laughs> that's, that, that's the,
0: on the whole situation yeah fair. okay i mean but there like is a you, moment if like you go,
1: if you go for
2: the trough you that l- literally no. there's a function people squeeze how in how busy is the bathroom oh, how quickly no. do i need to turn over how like large like am i wearing winter layers like there are all these factors that you need to go into but you know when sometimes
1: distance. especially in like clubs and things you can sometimes get a, a to the urinal, right, and then you have the oh. added pressure, which is rare for a man, that you have a time limit on weeing as well, oh, and no. you, like that's it's a whole extra set of problems. So basically, you, the,
2: the, if you have the link between the the frontal cortex and the papal maturation,
0: yeah, <laughs> <Sorry>, to <that's
2: laughs> yeah. yeah. get old.
0: Ah. The hopes are born; they emerge from the <laughs> cocoons like larvae.
2: Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the Pontiff's Palace or whatever the fuck it's, it's called. Like that, if those connections are too strong, that's what causes that reluctance
1: to be the inability to pee. Unless
0: if like, the frontal cortex yeah. Front yeah, of
1: yeah. Oh. Uh, that's that's the, yeah. Anyway, so my, and I, so I was thinking, right, and so the noises which make you pee your pants, obviously, if they're a kind of scary noise, mm. then that's going to trigger the hypothalamus, trigger that reaction, could trigger you to just wee everywhere. Oh, God. Um, But I, before, I get into, like, what noises are scary, right? Because I felt like that was the obvious place to go mm-hmm. after this. Like, what makes a noise scary? I did also think, well, if there's noise that can make you wee yourself, surely there's noise that can make you boo yourself, right? Why? Which is Why the brown note, think... which we've all brown heard notes. of. Right? I've heard Everybody's of heard of the is that brown
0: real? note. real? That doesn't sound real. There of, is of course YouTube it's real.
1: Video. I've tried it. Uh, I, not only have you tried it, we're all about to try it because I've what? got it. Oh, no. Wait, hang on. <laughs> Wait. I'm, gonna, I'm about to share. I'm gonna
2: just undo my trousers. On the off chance, they need to come off very quickly. Okay.
1: Okay. Shoot. Well, we've got 17 minutes of Google ads, so you know, amuse yourselves for now. <laughs> get like a plate or a casserole dish or something, whatever you need, and then <laughs> let's get ready to appreciate this noise. But just
2: welcome to the, the... new viewers of the D and D brief. Hi, <laughs> <Psychology laughs> Science Podcast.
0: <laughs> we did not vet the, this 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 topic okay, in advance. You
1: know, yeah. Well, um, it's um. Okay, Have so you so done a
0: video on it, Simon? I feel like it's the kind brown, of no. thing that
1: you would do a video on. This is a biology thing.
2: It's all too wet and squishy. Oh, for sorry. Me. Oh, it's
1: really wet and squishy. Okay, um, ready. Sh- yeah.
0: Ooh, slow. Quite
2: nice. This sounds like the intro to a 1995
1: MicroProse game. Like, this is setting the scene. 16-bit, poo yourself. Shall I just leave this off? It's lots of different
0: notes. It's cheating. It's a whole soundscape.
1: I know. And therein, I think you have it. Because it's not real, right? The brown note apparently originated from a spoof New Scientist article in the 70s, right? Like an April
0: April Fool's joke or something.
1: Yeah, I don't know what they're like. I don't know why they wrote it. But yeah, it was a spoof. And it sort of has become... Like taken up by popular culture, and now people believe it. There's no evidence for it. So this is like
2: a classic example of how, when debunking is needed. Like, how do you debunk it's the brown? It's been
1: note? debunked so many times. Mythbusters <laughs> did it, is,
2: but it's too good an idea to to go. It- even though the truth is obvious, and you play it to somebody and they don't shit themselves, they still believe
1: it. <laughs> like, me. oh, but I feel like <laughs>
0: I could, if I wanted, you know? <laughs> yeah. If I really tried, I probably could.
1: Like, my dad told me a story about how the French riot police created a cannon which sounded off this note and used it on a whole bunch of, like, French protesters. And he 100% believed that story, and I believed it up until the point where I had to research for this particular podcast. And I, I like, still half believe it, but... You're like, oh, but maybe.
2: Wow. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. So, but but like, are we going to debunk everything? Because you went whatever. Wait, do the noise. <laughs> but I didn't pee myself. So you know, is it really possible for sounds to stop it? Okay, but just stop it though. <laughs> I'm fine, but just stop.
1: <laughs> so what I didn't do, what I should have done, is to look yeah. at how why some sounds make you shiver. Because that's the yeah. real thing, isn't it's it? It's the sh- I,
0: yeah, I thought that's, like, I really assumed that that's what this was going to be. That's obvious.
1: It's ping. There are
2: There's a variety of physiological responses, right? You've got the ones like fingers on football or something. Ooh, it doesn't make you yeah. shiver, it just makes you like no, tense like, up. Yeah, that's, and, yeah. And there's like the videos, we've played them to each other of stuff like Feel Good Ink, but like the instruments are one beat out oh. or something and it's just, and it makes you go Ugh. like it's a physical response to it and some of them like there's one that's like September like Earth, Wind and Fire, but the vocals are half a beat out and they're a semitone off oh, no. and I hear it and it like, I can't process anything else, like my brain is totally occupied with processing the signal
0: I think Tim Minchin has a number in which he he switches to singing like a, a semitone off every so often um which is just an, actually quite an amazingly skillful thing to be able to to sing not mm. in key I and mean, it's just the, the slight jarring every so often.
1: I don't know I've known plenty of tenors that can do it very naturally um... <laughs> oh, ha, 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 ha. Do I now is the time to come out to you Simon. I am a tenor, as you can probably tell from the tenor of my voice, right and what? have always been so.
0: Oh my gosh!
2: This will not
1: stand. Wait,
0: what are you,
2: Simon? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a baritone, Baron. preferring normally oh. bass. Oh, oh. Oh, just trying to Wait, move hang on. We're going to form of, we really we a. quartet need to, between us.
0: Me and Bates are both altos, but I could probably persuade persuade Bates to sing at least a mezzo.
2: Well, we Alto get
1: out yeah. of this discussion, <laughs> so we can. Uh...
0: <laughs> gonna do a quartet. It's gonna Brilliant. be great. Okay,
1: anyway. Let's talk about. Do you want, should we talk about why noises are scary? How do you feel about that? Do you guys want to hear about it? Do you want to hear some more noises? Yeah, I want to know about Yeah,
0: that. like, oh, are we going to hear them? Oh. <laughs> oh, we have an audio medium. It makes perfect sense.
1: But yes, Let me see please. if this is the right one. I mean, you know, this is all, it's all a bit of a gamble. Ah, because... you oh, do the, the app. App. No, <laughs> get it
0: back! I do wonder, you know that... Chicka-chicka sound, don't do it. But you know that sound that you do when you did the centipede? No, Ali, don't do it. Very happy to not have headphones. I don't think... I would have a reaction to that if we hadn't like you know if i didn't haven't embodied a character who spent a whole episode trying to spoilers like you know fight off giant centipedes like it's
1: totally it's experiential I mean, as well yeah like the the, the musical uh, yeah memory and uh those sort of me- me- mem- emotional memory is what you're talking about i think okay. which is a ptsd thing which i also mm-hmm. came up in my researching and um, that uh, when you, when you make, cause you, you can make strong fear memories associated with noises, right? Okay. Um, yeah. But in PTSD, what happens is you, you start to over generalize, right? So you, it's no longer the specific noise, which makes you afraid. It's all noises mm. that sound like that. Mm. And then this is crazy. You actually start hearing those noises as the, the original noise that you were terrified of, right? Like oh. you can't hear new noises anymore. You can only hear the old noise, Oof. right? You just huh. you physically can't hear it. It's incredible. I think they did it on mice, right? Let's caveat that. But <laughs> still, I was like, Jesus, you actually lose. So, so
2: the, the brain victory. basically says, we need to be out for this trigger. This trigger means danger and then it's a
0: sensible association to learn and then the sensitivity
2: of of that just gets higher and higher and higher because you're like i know the danger's out there maybe that thing is actually the danger
1: yeah you're like it's more like the the fearful part of the memory starts latching itself onto other noises and then after that Mm. the yes you're right like the, the the i don't know how to describe it really but yes that which,
0: which also explains why the the kind of reactions we're talking about to sounds tend to be things that are disgusting and things that are scary because those are things that we are evolutionary evolutionarily primed to be on the lookout for mm. um whereas you know the I don't know the sound of a log fire burning and autumn leaves crunching are all very nice but they don't quite have the same <laughs> viscerality
2: well i was a phrase that I think is quite pithy, but also quite true, is that love is what we're born with; hate is what we learn. And perhaps that actually kind of applies here, in that mm. like the learned responses are so much more powerful because they've been picked up from negative experiences. Like the yeah. the positive ones don't leave such a mark because your brain's presumably just like,
1: oh yeah, nice. I remember nice. Mm. This is you don't,
0: you don't you don't need to. It's, your your survival isn't as dependent on it, perhaps
1: yeah i wonder if like you would I wonder if the thing you're calling nice is basically obsession but dialed down if you're like actually um because yeah because if you're if you think something is really really nice you stop labeling it as nice and you start labeling it as essential for my survival right so well then it's
2: like a pavlovian response right like it's it, that is the like the sound of if you get addicted to i don't know having uh, tinnies, like, the sound of cracking a cold <laughs> one open oh, immediately yeah. makes you, like, salivate and makes you want mm. one. Like, and that's, I suppose, a positive example of, like, a learned behaviour. Mm. But yeah. I'm maybe not that positive.
0: Depending, yeah. Play us, play us some good sounds, Ali. What was that? Coyote or something? Like a crow? That was a...
1: No, was something that was... on the plains. It was a baby fox crying. Um was so that it? Was, oh,
0: foxes! Oh my god! That was gosh. supposed to
1: be a scary noise, but I was quite scared. I really should yeah. listen to it again before playing it. I uh, had to, um, I had to reassure the scouts when we,
2: we did our summer camp a couple of weeks ago, and there were owls in our field. Oh, cool! And so, you know, getting to tell them, like, so you know, you've probably heard the
1: <gasps>
2: like the kind of oh. like tawny owl sound, but then, like, just so you know, in the middle of the night, you might occasionally hear a. <laughs> and, that's, and that's like a sound a barn owl makes. Like it's a horrific really? sound. Oh barn gosh. owls sound terrifying. I assumed it get. was going to be
0: like screech owl because, to the, you know, yeah, screech owls, I think, but... are really high
2: pitched, whereas barn oh. owls just sound like someone screaming. They literally just sound oh. like someone screaming. But
0: I mean, yes, yeah, so I was going to say foxes, um, anyone lives in London or urban um, places, like they are right outside my bedroom window doing whatever fun things that I'm sure they're having a great time sounding like. People being murdered, so it's like children and cats and screams and <sighs>
2: yeah. But there are certain sounds that we are primed to like have a response to, like babies crying. Is that correct? That, that we have a physiological response to babies crying.
1: So I, I did not. Hang on, I've got a barn owl here. Just hold up.
0: Oh oh! please the barn owl.
2: <sighs> right. It's horrible.
0: <gasps> Ooh. Oh Ooh. You gotta steal that for d and D monster Ali, that's
2: great.
1: Yeah, that was proper. Good. Mm, like that. Too much phlegm. But also
2: <coughs> remember that like they might be making this noise as they are swooping over you. Ah. So what you hear is like <laughs> In the middle of the night whilst you're in a sleeping bag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Barn owls are famously crepuscular Simon eh?
2: Yes, sorry, not in the <laughs> yes.
0: middle of the night inaccurate
1: You're no. I do love the word Scenario. crepuscular Any chance to use that, big fan Right, so the scary noise the, One yeah. of the reasons why they're scary What makes a noise scary yeah. is the non-linearity Of it So that means right? If you put in a const- So if you put in an input Into something hmm. uh, Then if the output goes up the same amount as the input goes up right so, so as the so what? as you increase the input you're increasing the output uh sorry this is a stupid explanation what input? it's like you a play, you're playing a, term? you're playing a flute right
0: okay
1: you blow into one end you get a noise out the other end
0: yeah
1: and then you blow harder you get a louder noise right and the the harder you blow the louder the noise and it's basically linear the the relationship between them right yeah so non-linearity is when you blow so hard that the the noise gets all fucked up.
0: You'd only know the input if you were if you were playing the flute, right? So so what's nonlinearity in terms of just output if you didn't know the input?
1: Well, it means that whatever was making the noise, yeah. Um, that's actually a really good question. I don't know. It like,
0: it couldn't have physiologically be made been made by like normal lungs. There's something like there's you know, it's it's inhuman. You know that humans don't work that way to have been able to make that sound that kind of thing
1: yeah i think it's like if you over if you put so much pressure into something that it's not working the way that it should like it's producing noise but also it's producing sort of excess nasty shit which Mm -hmm, is yeah coming from this over you yeah like putting too much through and that's the non-linearity right because instead of being a nice linear thing as you put masses in you're not getting the same Sort of linear thing out, but and that's anyway,
0: that's scary,
1: and that is uh, has been linked to being to making you feel uncomfortable and scared, and that is in animal distress calls, possibly in that barn oh, no, noise, and way. In oh. certain certain kinds of baby cries,
2: Ooh.
1: Like, which huh. is why hot, like certain baby crying is really grim. But like, am I right in saying
2: that generally speaking, we find low frequencies scary because they mean big animal. And then we find higher frequencies we want to be like, careful and we find them cute because they're like babies' cries.
1: I don't th- know anything about that. I would have said that that barn owl was pretty high pitched and it was fucking mm. awful. So I feel true, like that's yeah. true
0: within within a sort of limited range of human vocalization type things. Mm. Um, so that... but, but it probably can be overcome by horrific screams like a screech. Yeah, <laughs> like
1: that's a... non-linearity, though, coming into it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's not like about the pitch. It's about the shape of the sound wave. But there is like a, a lowness thing. So this is my last fact. It's a good one. Sub yeah. 20 hertz, right? So yeah. below the audible range oh, of hearing. Oh, we can't hear
0: that. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: that has been found on some people, like on mm-hmm. a, a proportion of the population, to trigger feelings of unease, anxiety, heart rate Ooh, increase, oh, you know, sweaty palms, oh. that kind of stuff. Genuinely. Genuinely. Um, so, you so can't that, hear
0: anything. You can't tell they, when it's on and when it's off. And yet, people are just like, oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm so, it's a. Feel a they, bit worried. They use it in scary films to, oh, to no. get sense of unease. And, They're manipulating us. Right? There is this idea that. The, because lots of stuff can make those 20 hertz noises, like natural stuff, like wind blowing through things. And there's this idea that haunted places that people think are haunted are actually they get that sensation because there's a natural thing creating this noise, which they can't hear, but they've sensed this uneasiness cool. in them. I like that.
0: That's, That's cool. great. I like that. So Good theory. So anywhere you step
2: in, you're like, this feels bad. The, if like a Fangorn Forest kind of vibe, you're like, it's probably the 20 Hertz thing, isn't it? That's That's I'll just keep going, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll just chop
2: down this
0: for you, no worries. <laughs> Iron, <yeah? laughs> Well, Someone says, I have a bad feeling about this, and the other and the other people are like, don't worry, I- it's science, everything's fine. <laughs> As
2: they you're carry carried on. off by yeah. like a chainsaw-wielding maniac, <laughs> you're like, don't worry, there's a 20 hertz thing, let me explain The RP geeks <laughs> told me
0: all about it, we're fine.
2: The RP geeks <laughs> are not responsible for any deaths that may have been incurred due to listening to this podcast. Um, well, actually, talking about very low frequencies leads into what I wanted to talk about. Very neat. <gasps>
0: it's a segue!
1: We are on
2: two wheels, wheeling electrically, across your ears, like this. Uh, that's a segue from one section to another. Um, so basically, um, in the last couple of episodes, uh, we, we sort of had these instances of being able to communicate with uh, characters whilst they were deep in the minds. Um, We don't know exactly how deep, but deep underground um, uh, Emily's character Infinity was able to get a signal through and then later on was not able to. Uh, And this um, got me looking into how do you communicate through solid rock. My initial thought was, first time ever, but I think Ali may have made a mistake here. Uh, (laughs) I feel like that shouldn't have happened, but turns out it's a bit more interesting than that. So my first thought was it might be uh, kind of an evanescent phenomenon, which definitely led me to do a lot of research whilst listening to evanescence. Um, And this was something that I encountered when I was doing my undergrads, that basically happens when you have like an electromagnetic wave, like a radio wave, or it could be any frequency, um, impacting into a medium that it can't propagate through. Um, Then you can measure an evanescent wave on the other side, which is a decaying, uh, electromagnetic signal that if you average it over because obviously it's a wave, it goes up and it goes down over a course of a cycle. If you average over a wave cycle going through the material, the net flux is zero. It's not pushing energy through it. But there's a decaying solution to the equations that describe electromagnetic fields that goes through the substance.
1: Hang on, and so it, you can have lost, you've lost me. you can sense this thing out. So if you didn't know what was going in, you could sense that shit out the other side
2: you could put in a detector for uh, you know relatively shallow into the material practically you could put in something that will sense electromagnetic fields and you will pick up a decaying solution um and it's something that i actually did in my undergrad we did a lab where we measured this
0: wait so you're saying Um, the electromagnetic radiation cannot travel through the object
2: yeah so the energy is being absorbed into the object okay but then there's basically an, an an a net zero flux if that makes sense like there is a signal that's moving into it but it's not actually transporting energy with it it's a decaying solution to the wave equation so it satisfies this need that the solution is zero infinitely far from your boundary and it has a wave input at the boundary so so
1: here i am sitting on the other side of like a hotel wall right and i want to know if the bloke next to me has got his light on and all I have to do is stick a little probe into the wall itself, and I could tell. And what? If but had what are on. you
2: measuring? So you'd be measuring electrical magnetic field strength,
1: okay? Because okay. that's ultimately
2: what EM radiation is.
0: Okay.
2: Um, but y- yes, but it depends on the frequency. I can't remember exactly the dependency, but I'm pretty sure the, the the lower the frequency, the further it penetrates in. So stuff like light, because it's got a very narrow, sorry, very short wavelength, is um doesn't penetrate very far at all. So, and is
0: this limited by the thickness of the material and even the width of the material?
2: Well, it depends what the material is made of, because effectively, the what determines if a wave can pass through a material is the configuration of electrons in it. So, if it's you know not just an element, it's the bands that appear in its molecular structure. um That you know exactly the same as when. You know glass is transparent to light because it turns out that the visible wavelengths of light uh have an energy associated with each photon of light that doesn't match a band gap and so it just goes straight through whereas other forms of radiation like i'm just going to pick something like infrared for example would be absorbed by it because it does match that that gap um but yeah basically the what, what the material is will determine how far it can penetrate and the wavelength of the incident where, uh, light can also determine how far it penetrates in what's that got to do with
0: the excellent band evanescence
1: hang on wait a second before we get to that can i ask so in back in the mine right so if there was um so they had these little sort of slates which seemed to be picking up some sort of um message right so if that message was being if it was an electromagnetic wave which was being blasted at sufficient strength into the rock wall then and you and you and it was at the right wavelength to go through the rock. At any other bits of rock that it found, then in theory you could pick it up on the other side from these decaying wavelengths.
2: In theory, you could. And in practice, they do this in mines. What <gasps> <gasps> real mines? There's something called through the earth or TTE mine communications, yeah. where basically they use ultra low frequencies of of EM radiation. Um, so they say between 300 and three thousand hertz um, that penetrate through up to two and a half two thousand five hundred 2,500 feet of rock. Like you can actually penetrate really quite far down into into a mine um, using this. But, but it's like very specific to set up. Basically, you have to set up a coil of wire that goes around like the perimeter of your mine um, and then you know to create a, a b- huge blast a signal through. Oh, that. Wow, okay. Um, but there are there are different um, systems that actually do this in real life. Like there was one that's called Telemag that has been used and done some tests. There's not actually that much material out there about this. So I don't know how well used this is, but cool. like, you know, practically there is a reason to not have wire communications in a mine because if stuff goes wrong, it could get crushed, blah, blah, blah. So oh there is actually God. a market for this kind of thing.
1: So I want you guys to remember. This makes so much sense and obviously I knew this when creating <laughs> what you're about to what's about to happen, but I just want you to remember this conversation okay. next
0: week. Okay. I'm remembering the large dome that covered the mine. <laughs> and how, it could, how it could be a sort of coil or dish type thing. Well, That's I, I freaking I amazing.
2: To, I think I tried to work out the wavelength of it and it and it turned out to be something like I think you think you need like a few kilometers of wire in order to do this? Like that would need to be the of wow. the, the, the thing. So it'd be a, it'd be That's a big huge. Coil. Um, Wait, hang
1: on, I don't understand. So to, because basically
2: to... the, the the size of the coil is what determines the wavelength that you the the lowest frequency that you can prop you can transmit, right? Like, okay, and also... I feel
1: like such a dumbass, but can you just tell me why is a coil of wire transmit electromagnetic radiation? So a, a, a way in electromagnetic wave is just a varying electric and then magnetic
2: field right those two are coupled together because james Clerk maxwell um and so it's just an
1: electron moving through a magnetic field well so
2: if you punch an electron in in motion and, and any electric charge that moves creates a magnetic field so if you generate a regular current of uh you know like, like. A, a, a coil of of uh, electrons moving through it that will generate a repeating magnetic wave that also then generates a repeating electric wave and those two go in tandem together
0: you have to use either your right hand or your left hand to calculate it it's very important that to you know up, which one is it? it is <laughs> <laughs> well, i don't, uh, know, don't know which one it is but i know it's very
1: important
2: yes i can't it's been a long time since I've that.
1: <laughs> right um, so you've got these
2: ba- masses. yeah but, but so, so basically yeah you, you you if you want to send a, a very low frequency signal you need to generate like a very you need to have a very large transmitter in the same way that if you want to receive for example radio waves from have from wherever in the cosmos you need a large radio telescope and the telescope has to be large in order to detect the radio waves because you have to have basically the telescope has to be the size of one wavelength
1: in order to, to um, determine okay. so does the there tel- is a wave there so does the wave move electrons around the wire in the telescope and then you measure that
2: um i believe that's i've not really done very much on um receivers but i think that is basically yeah how it works like you have a wave that then pushes electrons around and you detect as that the pushing of electrons
1: as a current that's great that's like 19th century technology yeah what are we doing well, with so- this in our observatories come on now <laughs> <laughs> but apparently they've been using this um
2: uh tte stuff uh, since like the 60s like it's actually been around for quite a while i just I never they heard of it switched before. on in the 60s weren't they um but um, the other thing that they picked up was it's the same technology that they used to communicate with submarines um, because uh, s- seawater, because it's salty, mm-hmm. um, is actually quite opaque to most forms of electromagnetic radiation. Wow. Because when you push the wave through, it starts moving, you know, because it's conductive, electrons can move around through it. Oh, so it, so it of sort salt. of
1: sucks energy out of the wave by being like, ah, yeah, you're moving yeah. all my electrons. So I'll just.
2: It's, so it's a lossy medium, technically. Um, and basically they used the same thing of using, uh, I think they went down to extremely low frequencies, not just ultra low, but extremely oh. low um, extremely to communicate with low. submarines at depth, basically. It was like a, a The thing. level at
1: which you sing, so, Simon. That's cool. <laughs> so
2: that was the, like, kind of my first thought, but it turns out there is another way that you can transmit information through solid rock and, like, Can kilometers. I just ask, oh, sorry,
1: on the on the seawater absorbent. sorry, Shams, did you want to? No, forces. no, no, go, the no, sea go water ahead. The seawater absorbance thing. Is yeah. that why um is that why certain wavelengths travel further down into the sea than other ones? Because yeah. they it's it's what it's blue that travels. I mean the like f- with visible with visible, visible light. light, Yeah, It's blue that travels farthest, right? Because it's highest energy, is that correct? Which way around it is?
2: Uh it not the highest energy. It's the higher energy. Like compared to
1: red within the, within the visible spectrum
2: <laughs> well as in like indigo and violet like the purpley ones are technically yeah. isn't it know...
1: because isn't it the deeper that you god oh, jesus the and red is go, the bluer
2: it gets i believe the, and the red is the is longer wavelength
1: so oh wait no no, no. sorry so the
2: the less blue that you get coming through i think
1: the deeper you go the less blue you see yeah because oh, i think it's the higher
2: frequencies that get attenuated first And then, of
1: course, you're totally right. Because that's why you're going down to extremely low frequency to be able to. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm with you.
2: Thank Um, you. So, so that was that. But then, yeah, there there is another thing which I kind of wrote off in my head as just being completely impossible. But
0: so you've, you've ruled out. I want to, I want to try and like figure out because when you said like, oh, I want to work out how to communicate through solid rock. Um, So you've, so you've kind of covered like electromagnetic. Radiation, yeah, and it, the, your your answer is it can go through a bit. It has to be low frequency, and you have to blast it a lot.
2: Yeah, it has to be quite a specialized setup in order for it to work.
0: And then I was thinking, what other kind of communications technologies are there there? Is like alpha radiation, which is particles, which is not going to get very far. It's sound waves could, could like that would would go well would, through rock. Could the, you just sort of shout? Of being,
2: you've got it's lossy, but in a more understandable way. It's lossy in the sense that sound waves. Are just the stuff moving, and naturally yeah. you're going to have
1: friction to that. So the mm-hmm. signal gets weaker and weaker the further down you get. Just because it expends energy moving stuff around and frictionizing. It. Yeah, the
0: electrons thing... moving. I don't know. So what? Yeah, what else is there? Because I can't, cause I, yeah, I feel like on, we're out of options send, at this yeah. point.
1: You could
2: send this signal through the entire planet. And Neutrons.
1: It's neutrinos.
0: Oh, neutrinos are yeah! there. <laughs> But you I couldn't
1: pick that. up the signal you'd be like
0: hello wow. no one can hear me ever more go straight through your brain oh, big a box of like neutrinos oh. goo i meant neutrinos God so
2: basically i thought that it would be impossible <laughs> to it. detect but in 2012 hmm. a group of scientists uh proved that you could do it like they proved that you can send a signal um via creating neutrinos and then picking it up with one of these enormous detectors um, because for the for the dear viewers at home, um neutrinos are subatomic particles that just don't do shit. They don't interact with anything, they are chargeless, they are almost entirely massless. Um, and like, you know, there are there's something crazy like a billion of them streaming through your thumbnail every second. Like it's it's an ungodly amount of them. Uh, when, they, and you when, know.
0: when they build neutrino detectors, they have to go deep in the ground and build basically a big bath, I'm gonna say. Um the, the signal is so small to detect a tiny neutrino that they have to block everything else out. If you've got like a train going overhead that vibrates things, oh no, it's going to mess up your signal. And they might detect like one or two tiny little blips of like of yep. neutrinos out of all of the ones that are going through because it has to like, they're, they're, they're tiny compared to the size of an atom and it has to actually like hit the actual, I don't know if it's the, I assume it's the nucleus of the atom itself. And atoms are actually mostly empty space. Yep.
2: So is they, they... If, if, if an atom isn't is was the size of the royal albert hall uh the nucleus would be the size of a fly in the middle no
0: way
2: like,
1: great fact that's how tiny uh, nuclei are so basically yeah they're, 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 so
2: this group of researchers sent neutrino signals which you can create from nuclear interactions um through 210 meters of solid rock and i don't actually know how let me double check this i'm not actually sure how they sent the signal but ba- basically they sent a signal that spelled out the word neutrino
0: oh no which
2: is the nerd but do you have thing.
0: to have a huge neutrino detector to detect it
2: yeah no, that's the downside <laughs> oh, you have damn. to have a bath the size you know like 50 meters across mm-hmm. but like
1: if, if is it filled know, with you know, like deuterium a universe, or something it, really sorry heavy. is it filled with heavy water isn't that what they put in it to make the like nuclei bigger i think i'm just making it up now
2: right actually i think it might be heavy water but i cannot remember um i'll have to look that up but um basically yeah like the downside is you'd have to have one of these enormous detectors mm-hmm. but if we're imagining a sci-fi universe in which we are colonizing and terraforming other planets <laughs> It's, it's just... entirely possible that if we actually understood neutrinos a bit better, and it turns out there's actually another meson- there's, there's another fundamental force that we've just been missing up until now. Conceivably, you could have a device that just picks up on neutrino flux. That's a neutrophos. great
0: solution.
2: You know, that you'd, you'd have to subtract like the background Telephone. noise of the basically the star just going. Ah! <laughs> Constantly.
0: sorry sorry i can't what, what was that the star's really noisy today but,
2: what, yeah. but like you have to calibrate it every time you go into a new solar system like you just turn down a... oh great i can hear you um i thought for a so, second it was you know, a barn
1: owl again like yeah
2: <laughs> the song is in fact a barn owl um but That's yeah you know you awesome. can even um, make it work through neutrinos if, I... if we, we're saying that in this universe be. they understood how they such a nice
0: neat a, a lovely, neat solution. Although Ali did get really excited about the huge uh, emitter
2: well, solution you know, as well. We
1: could do both.
0: Referencing something that's about to happen. What does that well, mean? The other
2: thing is that, um, well, the, actually, yeah, two other things, I suppose, is that with the neutrinos, it is infinite range. Like, because they go through mm. literally everything. Um, Apart from R.
0: Our- Tiny neutrino detectors, the size of a stone, that we have in this universe.
2: Um, And and you know, in in the campaign Infinity, the deeper we went, she was unable to pick up signals. So I guess there's that. The other thing was this: the the through the earth stuff, the electromagnetic waves. Basically, the And I I imagine it's because of the fact that it's so low frequency. It has a very limited bandwidth. Like, they don't send video or pictures through this. They send simple text or, you know...
1: Yeah, because that's all that you've picked up. Well, I suppose you have got audio, didn't you? You did get audio, so that's more than just simple text.
0: How does band... Like, what is bandwidth and how does it relate to the frequency of the
2: carrier wave? Well, I think if you think about, like... Obviously, there's, there needs to be. It depends how you design the system and the redundancy in it. But you effectively, you need to determine if you're receiving data in a one or a zero at a predetermined window. Yeah. And so, if you are, because you could say for each cycle, is it on or is it off? Is it in a high state or a low, high amplitude or low amplitude? But then you're that's just... like mm-hmm. very, very difficult to keep track of. So let's say you sample a hundred, you know, w- waves at a time, um, then if you are at a high frequency those 100 waves come very very quickly like you can fit in tons of those hundred wave packets per second whereas if you're dealing with low frequency waves you get fewer of those wave packets per second so, so it's just a
0: time limitation you can just deliver less, yeah, less information per second
1: so you're just measuring like wave video. peaks essentially that's that's your information carrier the, the like presence or, or the absence of well
2: it's not so much the presence or absence it's the fact that like they are high amplitude or low, low amplitude right you're you know it's certainly in a digital system that's what you're doing so the sensitivity of your
1: detector would determine the amount of information that you could transmit on a wave because it would determine how many gradations of amplitude you could measure within a wave
2: uh yeah it would determine like how how long a wave packet would need to be in order for you to be confident enough that it is a one or it is a zero
0: yeah so we're only dealing in 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 binary and digital why do we why is it higher low amplitude why don't you why isn't the low amplitude off like what technical advantage is there to Um, keeping the wave going but lower
2: i'm not sure to be quite honest i imagine it's a limitation of actually how the transmitters work but i'm not actually sure this this is this is an engineering problem this is for the this is for the wire monkeys. I, d- I don't know.
1: How <laughs> Come on, wire monkeys. Surely you're out there. <laughs> this is we've got really important question Wednesday our, night moderating team here today. <laughs> we finally got to the meat of the issue. And we don't know what the <laughs> fuck we're talking about. Like, how has this <laughs> happened?
0: How digital communications work. We've, we've gone really basic here, Simon. Like, you, I know you wanted to talk about yes, clever yes. things, but turns yeah. out I need bandwidth explained first. So
1: yes Sorry. i make computers go burr i'm <laughs> software engineers oh
0: that's the that's the notes from chat helpful helpful chat
2: so <laughs> sure <laughs> I, I know that that is how it <laughs> works in, in um digital computers that you are effectively looking for a high voltage or a low voltage but i think because of the way that the components work you don't ever get zero voltage it's going to be a background state or an elevated state but it's not actually going to be zero so i assume but it would be similar for this kind of digital communications, just wirelessly.
1: So presumably that's why you need such a fucking high to do your your um, wake me up inside communications. You would need such a, a strong sensor or a high input because it's very difficult to to read the differences between the peaks and the troughs. So you're like, I'm going to have to read a shitload of these or exactly. read them very well to, to get the signal.
2: And and the fur the further down the deeper you go, the more difficult it becomes. Like it'd be very easy towards the surface, but like because it's an exponentially decaying solution, you you know, if you have a good detector, you can go down further. If you have a cheap detector, you can go down very far and still pick it up.
1: This is
0: wicked. This might be a question for for a future one, but I want to know what if in the future we're not using ones and zeros. We've got the more complicated multiple whatever you, you call it, system. Yeah. Oh, no, well, not we
1: quantum. Did... Oh, God. Yeah, we oh, did no, a bit of quantum, didn't quantum. we, earlier? And oh, eight, no. There? I don't want to know. Things. I
0: regret... I, I retract all questions that, <laughs> in which the answer is quantum. Like oh.
1: Information theory itself is really interesting. Like, I don't know it well enough. What's information
0: like, theory?
1: Well, that's what it all comes... It's like how much information can you cram into something and what counts as information and what's not information and therefore, you know, how much... Can you learn about a given thing? And I don't know. It's all. It's pretty badass. But I'm fucked oh, if I yeah. it. Sounds that's like we are. Philosophical. F-
2: we need to put the, <laughs> the, the the floaties on because we are out of our depth.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot so. of hand waving going on, like actual <laughs> hand waving. From-
2: <laughs> um, well, I, that's probably a good point. I think to to wrap up that because I feel like we actually got into the meat of the, both of those topics.
1: That was great. Like, I've, I've learned a lot. Thank you. I know that
2: um, wave stuff is. educated. So, like, in in the process yes. of doing this show, like I have re- I have talked to people about the thing we talked about last time of mm. machine le- um dreams being your brain preventing overfitting. Such like,
0: fun this idea! This is spilled, this is spilled out into my
2: private life, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, it, it's, it's so one of those cool. cool little theories that's actually quite easy to grasp. Um, like it's a fun fact. To go, with. it's doing very well on our TikTok. Join our TikTok at RPGeeksD&D. Uh, on TikTok. Um, we've got little clips including a clip of the overfitted brain hypothesis explanation. Um, we also post on Twitter about when we're going to stream and and fun facts and creepy videos of uh, cave centre feeds. Oh, Sorry about that. Oh,
1: so <laughs> Maybe post the barn owl noise because that was meant. Oh uh, yes. You're, you're the one with the power, Ali. You can well, do I it. I might
0: clip it from here.
1: Oh, I could the, do it. Um... I could do it. Do it. This will take me but, a yeah. while but it'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, before that happens, we should probably actually uh, wrap up. So,
2: thank you everybody for uh, being here today on Twitch. For those of you who are listening to this after the fact, we stream this on Twitch on Wednesday evening, seven pm UK time, um, and is obviously available uh, elsewhere as a podcast and on YouTube. And as champion said, the best bits or the bits slightly above the average are uh, also available on TikTok. And are we putting them on Instagram? I can't remember. I
0: think them. Yeah, I think most of them are on Instagram.
2: I do think that sometime soon, maybe after episode 10, we should do like a recap video of Ooh. like the story thus far, just so people mm. can kind of jump in, because I imagine um. it is quite intimidating if you've not l- watched any of the adventure thus far to catch up on 12 hours or
1: more of D&D. And you've never heard of D&D. Until <laughs> <I've> heard.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: We are also live every Wednesday, so if you're not catching us uh, live right now, you can do so. Um, Alternatively, if you are catching us live right now, why not try YouTube or a podcast? In fact, just watch <laughs> the show switch. twice. Everybody
2: switch roles.
0: No, twice, twice. I want, I it want might be different. Numbers.
1: You don't know. We do I stuff will... to it in <laughs> We do. We, we manipulate
0: right, We're it.
2: floundering. I'm going to call the episode here. So thank you, <laughs> Charmony and Ali, for joining me. We'll be back next week with some D&D actual play adventures and um, hopefully some more interesting science that I'll run into. So um, thank you for watching. and. Bye everybody. Bye.